At this time, we'll be continuing our uh, Bible study in Ephesians. This is Lesson 9. We're in Chapter 5, starting at verse 3. To lead us off, we're going to have Mr. Ken Barton bravely taking on this chapter. Mr. Barton. If anybody else has really been felt led to come up and lead this, I didn't see anybody's hand. I had a feeling that was going to happen. This is an interesting lesson for those of you that really have not been thinking you wanted to do this. You'll think, hey, maybe I ought to. I told Matthew I was going to call on him, so he said he was going to be gone. (laughs) So I'll just read this one. The poster in the college gateway had one large word in the middle of it, sex. Underneath, in small print, it said, now you're interested, how about joining the college rowing club? Whoever designed the poster wasn't suggesting that taking up rowing had anything at all to do with sex. They were simply exploiting the fact that in contemporary Western society, and I'm thinking not just, but anyway, the way he wrote it. Um, people are so obsessed with sex that the very word attracts people's attention. Anything associated with it seems to be attractive as well. So, here's the opening. What is a recent ad you've seen or heard that uses sex to sell something? I think the easier one would have been, Carolyn, would have been one that didn't, but anyway. One where this older man and woman's kind of looking into each other's eyes and he makes the comment, we do it every night at the same time and they're selling uh, dishwasher soap. (laughs) Mark? Yeah, this isn't recent, this is um a few years ago, I don't know if you remember this, I'm a big fan of Carl's Jr. and a lot of the commercials, the food stripping everywhere, which annoys, annoys my wife, I know she hates that, but one time they used Paris Hilton and dressed very, you know, scantily clad and so on, <laughs> and I guess it worked, they said, you know, there was a big success then and so on, and I didn't care about her, I just cared about the burger she was eating, it looked, looked pretty good. think I may be the cause of that. Oh, okay. So how did you respond to, I could tell you didn't much appreciate that. Did you, did you want to go right out and buy that dishwashing? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So would somebody want to volunteer to read Verses 3 through 10. Matthew, you're back. Okay. I was, I was telling folks I was going to call on you to read that first opening part. Yeah. Hmm? We already did it. You missed your chance. I know you're broken hearted. So, who would like to read this young lady right here, Brittany. Uh, this is the contemporary English version. Sometimes it's fun to read different versions. Um, you are God's people, so don't let it be said that any of you are immoral or indecent or greedy. Don't use dirty or foolish or filthy words. Instead, say how thankful you are. Being greedy, indecent, or immoral is just another way of worshiping idols. You can be sure people who behave in this way will never be part of the kingdom of God that belongs to Christ and to God. Don't let anyone trick you with foolish talk. God punishes everyone who disobeys him and says foolish things. So don't have anything to do with anyone like that. You used to be like people living in the dark, but now you are people of the light because you belong to the Lord. So act like people of the light and make your light shine. Be good and honest and truthful. 
as you try to please the Lord. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> so, what's Paul's remedy for immorality? Now, we can't go with the, the guy, his wife, after, on their way home from church. She accuses him of sleeping through the sermon as usual, she said. He said, no, I was listening. She said, really? What did he speak on? Sin? Okay, what did he say about it? He was against it. I'll jump on this one. Is it to stay away from those types of actions and have nothing to do with those taking part. Matthew. Um, did you guys already do question one? Oh, I thought he went to question Brittany, two. Brittany. Um, so I, I forgot that, uh, that we were doing this particular lesson today. It's, it's, yeah, it's a tricky topic, um, but it's really important to do. And I think one of the things um, that it, it reminded me of is, <clears throat> I, I think Reg may have mentioned this, how incorporated into the whole pagan society, especially in Ephesus, uh, sexual rights were, practices, temple prostitution uh, for, for both sexes, as it were, I mean, it was pretty bad. I mean, very bad. Um, and in the context of this whole entire chapter, really, is Paul trying to help these people that have been so immersed in that culture, you know, get out of it uh, and, and have a, a godly way of thinking in it and, you know, kind of a, a restoration of their minds. So <laughs> along with that is we're there. We're in the same, we have the same things in and it's important for us to recognize that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring to this one, and I kind of didn't bring all the details, um, but just to realize that uh, the latest statistics, I think from 2018, they talk about uh, you know, the problem of pornography. It's now up to 70% of men of, across all ages have challenges with that. 70%. I mean, it's epidemic. It's one of those things that is, is hidden, right, because, you know, it's, it's private. Um, and so it's very important for us to understand truly the context for Ephesians, for their world, and that we are right in the same world. Um, so I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Just to piggyback on what Matt had just said, some of the stats I have heard, it's 70% within the church, 90% within the world, but people don't, aren't a part of a faith, and even 50%, like within the ministry, that there's actually ministers and people of faith that struggle with this as well. So it's an epidemic, and it's everywhere you look. It's in the commercials, newsstand, wherever you look, it's even like some of the new commercials I see for food and things. I mean, the old Carl Jr.'s ads were horrible, but um, even like with uh, songs of racy content have been dumbed down to commercials for food recently with different lyrics, but it's the same like inappropriate songs and such. It's just everywhere. It doesn't help a whole lot, Reg, uh, that the... Uh, Lower, low cholesterol medications has actually created the uh, ED problem in the United States. The, the, the medications that you take ca causes that. So, you know, you get those commercials basically telling everyone that's watching that you can't live life. You can't enjoy life unless you come and see us. Rich. 
not just sexual sins, but all sins are actually a perversion of a natural instinct or a natural desire. Yes. In this case, it's the uh, instinct for love and marriage and building a family, and that gets perverted into something that is selfish and uh, self-centered. Uh, but others as well, the, the, the desire to protect one's family, uh, the, the desire to uh, be successful, all of those things can be perverted into different forms of sin. So what reasons does Paul give for this, this remedy? Verses five, uh, 3, 5, and 6. Uh, 3 is it shouldn't be, shouldn't be even named among you. And then uh, that nobody that is actively taking part in these has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. You know, say nobody that's a sinner is going to make it into heaven, so you can't can't sin anymore. That's not going to work. Because, <laughs> you know, what does God say? He was without. He that says he is without sin is a liar, and the truth isn't in him. We're going to have problems. We're going to fall. But the thing is, is to be going away from sin and going toward God. Um, so let let no one deceive you. You know, this is the wrath of God. Yes, sir, man. Um, I, I think uh, what Paul is saying here is, is what uh, a lot of psychologists would call uh, like behavior modification, right? So it's, it's changing your mind. It's um, not engaging in the, the practices that you, you did before. And he's saying, you know, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. Um, you know, I think some of this is probably coming a little bit through the filter of the King James translators and their approach to this topic but he's he's still saying all right you change your, your mind by changing your practices yeah. um, you know and that, that gets into the neural plasticity of the brain and how the brain can change based on you know the habits that we form or, or stop um, but you know it it sometimes you, you read it and you say well that's all well and good but you know how do I actually do that well it's, it's a very deliberate process not engaging in something and replacing it with what he later talks about. Change the focus from where you've been to where you're going, maybe, might help a lot. Rich, you guys can. As Brittany read in the CEV version, this is more than just sexual uh, uh, sin. It is the notion of being greedy or being indecent, being self-centered. Yeah. If, if in the world of pornography or the world of sexual sin, it is me first and everyone else second. There's no consideration for the other person in the process. All self-gratification. Anybody want to read this next section? Paul has a way of cutting to the heart of the issue. Don't be fooled, he says. There are a lot of empty words out there, words that is which sound big and important, which echo and resonate in our culture, but which have nothing inside them, no life, no truth, precisely because sex is a good, joyous, and important gift of God's creation, precisely because it is the means of tenderness and intimacy between a husband and wife as well as the means of God-given procreation, precisely because it is the occasion for great blessing and emotional fulfillment. Because of all these people on the road to genuinely human existence promised in Christ must avoid all cheap imitations. Casual sex is a parody of the real thing, like drinking from a muddy stream instead of fresh, clear water, or like listening to a symphony from a damaged audiophile when a world-class orchestra is playing in the theater around the corner. <clears throat> now this, this, I know everybody's going to be wanting to answer this. Stand in line. We'll get to you. Just raise your hand. What has influenced your view of sex? Art? Oh, Keith. 
Go ahead. You got the mic first. Okay. Um, yeah, several things. I think childhood, you know, growing up with mom and dad that didn't show intimacy real well to each other. Um, and then a dad who was, uh, as I got older, realized was unfaithful to my mom, objectified women. Um, I began to see that. And then, of course, friends in elementary and high school or junior high even that objectified because probably their background and so grew up with that objectifying of, of, of other people and that creates uh, a whole view of people like Reg is saying that is selfish, self-centered and let's face it at that age that's kind of where we're at anyway and you're trying to come out of that as you grow up and mature so that whole theme of self-gratification objectifying people it's not just sexual but in one thing I learned going through some purity classes I've went through is that sexual addiction is nothing has nothing to do with sex itself which was an eye-opening thing in itself to see that it's not about sex it's about what your heart like Reg would say too it's what your heart really does desire the true not the counterfeit but the true intimacy with it which is with God himself and of course with someone that's true intimacy, whether it be a spouse or family members or friends. But yeah, I mean, it's it's very when you're fighting against the tide of all your upbringing. And I guess the real thing that's that I realized going through all this studying that I've done is that all that stuff in my past, God was absent in giving me the true picture of what intimacy and love and how to view people. That was absent, so all these other things filled that gap. So. Yeah, I probably have a little bit of a different perspective on it because I was raised in the church and the biggest influence on my life was the church and I was very blessed to experience really, really deep, true love with the, a girl that was my uh, life's mate, if you will and I discovered very early really what true love is versus sexual lust or sexual attraction and the hard thing for me was when that relationship didn't work out for various reasons um, I dated other girls uh, outside of the church and the, the thing was if you didn't you know, even try to get them in bed on the first date it's like what's wrong with you or what's wrong with me and even uh, one girl I was out with even said that to me you're the first guy I've ever gone out with that hasn't tried to get me in bed is there something wrong <laughs> you know, and uh, so they looked at you as being weird, and it's like you can't even get uh, a relationship started if you don't play by their rules. And in talking with a guy at work who was very carnal, when we were on a business trip and we had a prostitute or offered to us, he was the only one that took him up on it. But uh, in talking to him later uh, about my situation in dating and so on, and he said, and this was very revealing. He said to me, you're trying to do it the right way, and nobody does it that way anymore. Nobody. The first thing you know when somebody says that is they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, when the subject first came up a while ago, I was just going to say one word, uh, the Bible. But a lot of the people have already said that. But I was fortunate enough to grow up as a teenager in the late 50s and early 60s when most boys, males, were, were pretty willing, you know, not necessarily as aggressive as others, some would be what we call a wolf. Right. But fortunately, the girls were the gatekeepers, you know, for the most part. But uh, uh, I, I was among, you know, a healthy, virile young man, you know, high hormones and all that. And uh, I would just, I would have been just as willing as anybody else, you know, look at me like you're going to twist my arm and I probably, but fortunately back in those days uh, uh, that was very, pretty scary yeah. and uh, when I started dating my wife at age 17 uh, she was very religious and of course I had certain religious uh, values also but we both knew and understood that uh, sex was sin outside of marriage and marriage was a lifetime 
same commitment. And my wife told me then that she believed the husband should be the head of the house, and boy, I'll tell you what, I didn't let her go. But, uh, but in, in order to uh, fulfill the hormones and, and the, the puppy love and all this other stuff, the emotions that go along, you know, a person doesn't have to be bad, you know, to make bad mistakes like that, you know, to, to, to get into a situation where a girl can get pregnant or disease or something. They just have to be in the right place at the right time. The emotion take over, and so good people can do those things. But we were very, very fortunate, and we got married at age 18 so we could do the things the right way. And had it not been for that, I would be probably just as uh, immoral as you know a lot of people. And I thank God, you know, for giving me the understanding. And, and of course, uh, like others, you know, you can you can look at statistics and see uh, the success rate of people. That I know in the bottom of my heart, and I think most people in this room believe also that God has the right answer. And, and sex and marriage is a God-plain relationship. And Satan is so much out trying to destroy God's work and God's people and God's future that he perverts the, the, the one most wonderful thing that God has made. You know, we, we all start life as babies. And when you're a baby, the world revolves around you. You know, next time somebody brings in a little one and the, whoosh, the crowd goes through, you know, we love babies. And because they're the, they're the promise of God that, that we're going to keep going. <clears throat> and as babies... We need that. We need every, everybody focused on us because we can't do anything for ourselves. You know? But as we grow up, we're supposed to realize that it's not all about us. It's not all about me and everybody taking care of me. But it's easy in this culture to ignore that. <clears throat> so anybody explain how our, your view has changed at all through the years. Mine has changed very much. Uh, I've come to realize God's intent for sex is to grow a husband and wife's commitment to one another, grow their intimacy, grow the bond. You know, uh, I like the idea, and I, I believe it's true. I have never actually researched it, but in, in the biblical times, a couple, when they were married, they didn't do anything for the first year except work on their relationship. I'm guessing other, you know, their families helped them uh, because otherwise that's the only way it could, it could work out. But that's wonderful to have a whole year to just focus on each other. And, you know, we, we don't do that these days, but the focus, if the focus is still just on each other, just think of the bond. <clears throat> so now that I've jumped out there and said, that anybody else want to share? Okay. <clears throat> In contrast to the culture of Paul's day, how are we to behave, and that's uh, verses 8 through 10, and I'll read those, for you were once darkness, but now you are light, in the Lord walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. <clears throat> Matthew? Yeah, um, so on, on this question, uh, to my mind, it always it, it almost connected back to question four, um, which, you know, they're all linked together. It's something that uh, Keith said. Um, anything in life, I mean, including the issues to do with sex or other behaviors like what Reg mentioned here is, is so often shaped by friends, culture, family, how you've seen your parents, uh, extended family, 
other issues that come up in, in extended families and everybody has closets with skeletons in them. Um, and in, in this particular area, uh, for me, the recognition of how immersed we are in sexualized content uh, is, it's, it, it's very revealing. Um, and uh, I mean, no pun by that. <laughs> You know, it's just, as a younger man, you tend to, to uh, perhaps appreciate seeing things of beauty and not recognizing what it's doing to your mind uh, and your soul um, in that process. And so trying to be countercultural in a world where you cannot even drive down the highway without this 50-foot billboard with a scantily clad woman on it advertising I don't know, a spar or whatever else. I mean, you can just say, here's our spar. But no, they have to put imagery on there. Um, and of course, there's a psychology to that, right? Because it's telling women's minds, well, if you come to our spar, you're going to look like this woman. Right. Right. And that, that's just just a, a small example. So, I mean, good grief. We talk about it with our boys about averting your eyes, you know? <laughs> uh, and uh, trying to find mechanisms to alter that behavior that, that society is absolutely affecting us with. And that's part of it too, is to recognize, at least for men, you are being shaped and influenced by society. So you have to be deliberate to counter that. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a larger point of what Paul's getting at. Yeah. You're talking about you know, your friends that you're you're talking with and one of the things about men is whatever we're talking on we're experts yeah you know throw something out there so we're going to listen to all these other guys that don't have any more knowledge about anything than we do as a general rule they, yeah yeah and, and so you know Satan fills us with lies if he gets the chance Keith yeah I think uh Paul hits on it in different ways, but he talks about that light a lot, letting that light come in. And it goes against behavior modification totally, which is kind of what I've found in my studies too, is that you tell people, don't do this, don't do this. You know, either your wife tells you, don't look at that, or you know, people in the church say, you know, don't look at porn, which is obviously true. But the whole thing is, that light has to flood you on the inside. There has to be a change on the inside yeah. for you to not want to do those things. Because the flesh that we live in is a sinful flesh that wants to do the things that are contrary to God. So behavior modification never has and never will work. I've figured that out over the years of telling myself, I just don't want to do this. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. You know, the Bible says it's wrong, all this, but until I finally let that light just continue to flood me on the inside and really change the inside, that heart that wants to do right, was I able to change the outside, which is what Paul's always saying is it comes internally. It's got to be an internal change that changes the outside. So. Because the thing is, when you're doing this behavior modification, I don't want to do this. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do Your focus is on that. So it's going to keep pulling you toward it if you focus on it. Whereas if you focus on God's word, God said if you will come here, if you will read, learn, you won't want to. But you've got to focus on God, not on that. Sir? Just to add to what Keith is saying, definitely your heart needs to be willing and wanting to change to do these things. But you also have to have the modifications as well. If you're driving down the freeway and there's a billboard, take an alternate route. Or put your visor down. Yeah. Or put your hand up as you're driving around if that helps. Um, don't be on the internet late at night. Get special apps for your phone. Have an accountability partner, somebody that can help you if you're having issues. There's tons of apps out there that can help you. Every man should have it on their phones or just help. Um, but I'm just saying, um, get a flip phone if you need to. There's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, and 
Reggie was talking about, there's other types of sins as well. These all rewire your brain, and it, it is about self and just changing, but recognize the issues and try to make the changes where you can get to the point where your heart is healing and getting better through God's changing of you and your mind being changed as well, rewiring how, where your brain has been put. So who would, yes sir, oh, Reg. In all of this, there is an emptiness that is present, a void that is needed to be filled, and what pornography and the other forms of this does is provide a poor substitute for what is actually missing. And until that void is filled, you're still going to have that hunger. Well, you know, one of the things is advertising. The main goal is to create the appetite, you know, for how wonderful bacon is and anything and everything. Bacon, bacon-covered pizza, bacon-covered hamburgers, bacon-covered, you name it anymore, you know. Uh, they've created a hunger. So that, that's why they pay advertisers the big bucks, is to figure out ways to make things really uh, look good so people will go after it. <clears throat> I would ask someone to read 11 through 20. Brittany? Um, don't take part in doing those worthless things that are done in the dark. Instead, show how wrong they are. Again, this is a contemporary English version. It is disgusting even to talk about what is done in the dark, but the light will show what these things are really like. Light shows up everything, just as the scriptures, scriptures say, Wake up from your sleep and rise from death, then Christ will shine on you. Act like people with good sense and not like fools. These are evil times, so make every minute count. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Don't destroy yourself by getting drunk, but let the Spirit fill your life. When you meet together, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as you praise the Lord with all your heart. Always use the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to thank God the Father for everything. Amen. <clears throat> you know, it's like, like wine uh, and anything else that, that we can get addicted to. One of the things I've always, uh, not always, one of the things uh, that I've come to understand, God, when he created Adam, he gave him dominion over all the world. All the world. And we're Adam's children, right? We have dominion over all the world. So the thing is to use our dominion, okay, to rule over the world, the things in the world, to use the things that are good, okay? But the thing is, for us to be have, have power, have control over things, rather than let things have control over us. That's easy for me to say, right? But that's the key. If you have, if you have the power to to rule over it. Use it. You know? That doesn't that doesn't work with, with people. I can't rule over people. Don't want to. Don't want that responsibility. I don't you know, I have people who have authority over me. But I have authority over the things that I use, over the things that I sent my sights on over the things that I work to get and to use so that they'll do what I want them to not the other way around <clears throat> what should uh, be our attitude toward the work, works of darkness and that's in 11 
ought to do it. <laughs> uh, what are some of the works of darkness that we get to encounter on a regular basis? Hello. <clears throat> oh, hey, here we go. Um, I think what's not being addressed here that we've, is the issue of homosexuality that's come mm -hmm. up so much. And to me, all these other sexual problems seem kind of quaint compared to homo the homosexuality issue. That is such a more difficult thing to address. Even for those who want to address it, it's a much more difficult thing to address. And this is becoming, and it's creeping into society in more and more ways. You see it in the commercials a little, um, where the side couple is a homosexual couple, and it's just becoming more accepted. And this is, I think, it was a, actually a much bigger issue. That's, that's amen. Yeah, it is, but also, um, apart from the sex on TV and in movies, which is, which is rampant, there's another thing that's going on too in the world and has been for 40 years, and that's the dark side, the horror. The what? You know, the evil, horror, horror movies and so yeah. on, which is a big, yeah. big seller. And it's like the, uh, what was said in the Old Testament, um, you know, they'll call evil good and good evil. And look at, look at Halloween, how big that is, and how massive that is on a world scale, how it's celebrated and seen as a good thing. Well, we know it's not. It's celebrating the dark side, bad stuff. So it's all around us, and you can't escape it, on, whether it is TV, online, movies. You just can't get away from it. And so to, to shield our eyes and look the other way becomes increasingly more difficult these days. John. It says to avoid the darkness. So I would say that each of these elements, whether it be sexual sin, horror movies, all these things that are anti-God, I would say attract demons as well. That there's legions of demons out there that are attracted to all these different things. So you're attracting demons, I believe, when you go off the rails and you're viewing these type of things. So you've got to be careful in that aspect as well to avoid that darkness, you know, be in the light and avoid such. It might sound kind of cheesy, but if Jesus was in the room with you, I mean, what would you be doing? Uh, you wouldn't be viewing stuff that's dark as well. So we just got to be careful where our minds are. You have to really gird them up and watch what we're doing. It always starts out little. Always starts out little, but then you're, the ads, you're inundated with it all the time. It just gets wider and wider. You know, uh, who can tell me the first couple that slept in the same bed on television? Who? It was, it was Fred and Wilma Flintstone. <laughs> Prior to then, you know, husbands and wives slept in their own little twin bed. They were the first ones to break that taboo. But anyway, that's just, things have an influence. How can we expose those works of darkness to the light or truth? And it's verses 12 through 14. Uh, for it is shameful. Wait. Did I go back? No, I'm still on. You keep me in line if I jump one, okay? Jesus, uh, says, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest, it's light. It's, it's, it's. Illumination. You know, oh, you're, you're learning more about this. So, therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Turn to him. That's the first thing you've got to do. But after you do that, after you turn to Christ and become a begotten child of God, His spirit's going to work in you. Christ is going to work in you. He's going to give you light. What commands does Paul give for how believers are to conduct themselves? 15 through 20. 
Okay. Speak to one another with scripture. We're going to help tell people why they don't want to do it. It's good to have a good source of where we're getting our, our knowledge from. So if we use psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making a melody in our heart, that's where our, that's where our focus is going to be, right? If you're, if you're in a really good mood because you've been praising God, you've been listening to songs, you know, uh, you can share that. <clears throat> Give thanks always for all things, God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's makes everybody feel better. God appreciates it. We appreciate it. <clears throat> what is one practical way you can live out each of Paul's commands? Keith, I'm sorry, I didn't see you with the... That's okay. I was just going back to both 8 and 9. Yes. That we're supposed to be wise and walk in the truth we have. And that, again, goes back to walking in the light that, that we are given. And that's how come we stay in the word, stay in fellowship with one another, because we're continually growing in this whole thing of becoming more like Christ, becoming more like our maker and, and our creator. But I think also kind of something Darla brought up, too, about the homosexual community. It is interesting that the church is so, I mean, they're pretty diverse on how they, some of them will completely not talk about it at all. Others will, content, will condemn them as worse than anybody, any other sin. So it kind of, there's so many extremes to that that the Christian world really doesn't even know sometimes what to do with it. And so some of them will shun them out of their churches, not let them come in. The fact is we shouldn't be surprised that those that are not of the family of God aren't walking in all of these things that we've been talking about. But it's once they see us doing things in the light and completely enjoying our life in the light and doing things by God's way, that by that example and then even feeling free to express those thoughts to these, whether it be homosexuals, people in adultery, in whatever kind of relationships, whatever it is, that we can start sharing with them the love of God, which is what, and the kindness of God, which is in the mercy, which is what turns them away from these things anyway. It's not going to be ours telling these people you're wrong, you're in sin, you're bad, you're evil, no matter what it is. It's going to be us walking in the light, walking in the love, and really getting that whole idea of what it means to live life to the fullest. That's what's going to bring these people, whether it be homosexuals or whatever, because I know some people that are actually moved where they lived, moved into a community uh, apartment community that's mostly homosexual to minister just to them because they felt that calling. I'm like, man, what a ministry to take the love of God into a community and begin to try to share with them what it means to live in the light. So it's it's a big deal to do that with wherever we're at and with whatever people we, we come in contact with. Do you realize, too, that, Rick, that uh, that's what Lot was trying to do. I don't think I've heard numerous sermons blaming lots on sick mind for wanting to move there. He just he had a choice, pick, so he picked. Where he went was where he went. And what was there was what was there. And he was trying to work with that. He was trying to make a difference in their lives. Fred? Darkness by definition is an absence of light, a void. So if there is a void, a darkness within us, it's not enough just to avoid the void. You've got to fill it with something else. And the light that you fill it with is the, the songs and the praise and the, the something to, to fill up that, that emptiness because the emptiness is what keeps us alive. That's one of the things there. You know, you can't get any darker than pitch black. You know, you can't add dark to, to dark. You can add light to it. You can't add cold to absolute zero. 
it's only going to get warmer. The other thing that I'm thinking is the people that don't have God, they don't have God. Okay? They're not, God is not in them. God is not speaking to them. God is not working in them. So somebody's got to shine a light. Somebody's got to show them that they care. And 11, based on verse 19, what role did psalms and hymns and spiritual songs seem to play in Paul's life? You think it's, I think it had an effect. How many of you guys like to hear good hymns, good songs, good Christian music, good message? You know, there's a reason for it. You know, it's, I think it's one of the reasons David liked to write songs. Gets you closer to God. How is that similar to or different from how hymns and choruses are used today? Mark? Yeah, I want to tie in 12 and, and 13 here in the sense that it's supposed to be uplifting and praising God. Um, but also, I like the way personally I can perform for God and praise Him in the way that I do. Um, and it's good lyrics in songs are spiritual food. And there's some very, very intense and good lyrics in some of these um, modern songs. I, I, I can think of a couple that come to mind that are extraordinary that were in, inspired. And when you hear that with beautiful music put with it, it, it truly is amazing. And we can really praise God in, in a tremendous way through that. Uh, Keith, go ahead. Well, I thought of right away, how did Paul, how did it affect him? I remembered he wasn't just talking about what everybody else should do. He was speaking from experience because when him and Silas were in jail, it says that uh, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And then that's when the whole place shook, yeah. and he was released. So to Paul, this wasn't just like, this is a nice thing you do when you go to church on the Sabbath. This is something you do every day of your life, and when things look the darkest and are the hardest, that's when he was doing the most singing, so. careful of empty words. Okay, if you don't want your garden to grow weeds, anybody want to read this? Last night's pretty good. Okay, if you don't want your garden to grow weeds, one of the best ways is to keep it well stocked with strong, sturdy flowers and shrubs. <clears throat> if you don't want your mind and heart to go wandering off into the realms of darkness, one of the best ways is to keep them well stocked with wise and thankful themes so that words of comfort, guidance, and good judgment come bubbling up unbidden from the memory and subconscious as our minds working all the time. <clears throat> Hymns and psalms today can still provide exactly this kind of Christian nurture. The singing that Paul has in mind, and you're talking about the, the in prison, I think, of Peter and them, you know, it's, it's late. They've been beat. And all they're doing is singing praises to God that they were chosen to get beat. It is vital not to slide along through life in a general foolish haze, hoping things will work out all right, but not being prepared to think them through, to figure out where this or that type of behavior will really lead. 
and that's how hymns and spiritual songs have been very important to me figure out where I'm wanting what I'm looking for what kind of what sorry what am I wanting inside um, I'd like to ask if someone will pray to close this this session and and with focus on having God fill our heart mind and imagination with truth but anyway actually I don't want to I don't want to order what a prayer is. Never do when I'm, do I want to do that. So please, if someone would close in prayer, I would appreciate it. Father God, thank you, Lord God. This is a deep, this is a deep study, Lord. But mainly what I'm learning is to keep my focus on you, to listen to good, to keep, to, to listen to quality, to get good instruction that I will continue to learn from. Lord, I know our minds work all the time. They're sorting things out and allowing us to, to get the most out of it. And your word is full of life, so full of life. And so I pray, Lord God, that we will seek your face, that we will seek your word, read your word, Listen to it, Lord. Listen to things that are good and are light so that we can fill ourselves with light so that we will shine around those that we are around. In Jesus' name, I humbly pray. Amen.